from KQED. Just over a month ago, many in Northern California woke to a world on fire. As the flames raged on, neighborhoods were completely wiped out, burnt to ash. You get scared. You see the moon, so red. And the flames look like arms flying through the sky. At night, I saw the moon red, red, red. And then the sky turned red and the whole city filled with smoke, black smoke, covered like clouds. Fernando Mora had just arrived in Santa Rosa, 10 days before the fires. He came here for work picking grapes, grapes that are now gone. On Facebook, they were looking for volunteers to get some horses out of different ranches, ranches on the edge of the city where the fire was already burning. And a friend and I said, let's go. For me, it felt, I don't know, good. We started to see a lot of support, the unity among Latinos, helping each other and our animals get out. It was sad. The fire was really bad. I'm single, so I can move where there's work and start over. This landscape has been forever altered. I've just never imagined I would see something like this ever in my life. And for it to happen in Santa Rosa, it's just shattering. This was the place, the only place in the world that I felt safe. And with all the chaos going on around the world, I knew that I can come home and I would be safe in my little bubble with my, my dogs and my boyfriend. And This was the house Kayla Swain grew up in. Now it's gone. After the fires, she returned, searching the scorched earth for anything she could hold on to. Finding little bits and pieces of what managed to make it, um, but it's not much. And then just a little bell that we had that was hanging. It was supposed to bring peace and love, and I found it in all the dirt, and I'm like, I'm going to take that. Um, I just really hope we can find a few other things, but I doubt it. Everything's broken and burnt, but it was beautiful here. And now it's this. I'm Sandhya Dirks, and you're listening to Cued Up. This episode of Cued Up, we're bringing you stories from the fires. Fire burns fast. It can jump, leap across a nine-lane highway, or a spark can carry in the air and set another blaze loose. These fires, a scattered collection of conflagrations with names like nuns, pocket, and tubs, spread and raged across the course of more than a week. The fear wasn't just a fire. It was of winds that would bring with them one fatal ember. Even while fires were burning all around, it could be hard to leave home, to evacuate or not evacuate. That was the question KQED's Devin Kadiyama saw his family grapple with. In between covering the fires for KQED, he talked with his parents as they waited out the fire. I'm home. Hi, son. Oh. A lot of the news is not covering the smaller fires like up in Glen Ellen and Sonoma. Like there's fires all around Sonoma here and yet they're not really showing on the news. Yeah, driving in, I could just see like plumes of smoke in different areas. It was really surreal. Coming in from Oakland, there's 
I mean, we're really surrounded by plumes of smoke. Like on that side of Sonoma, they're starting to evacuate. They're doing mandatory evacuations on half of the town. And then uh, the east side, you know, there's a couple of wineries over there that they say there's a fire behind them. So uh, have you guys been preparing to leave at all? Yes. A, a little bit. Uh, Doesn't seem like you have yeah. many boxes I or anything. I've a bag packed with, you know, clothing and a computer supplies and food and water. And and also we have come up with a list of things that we will take in case we have to to evacuate on an emergency. I, my, my thought is that if it really does reach here, which we're not expecting it to at this point, uh, is that we'll have some time to, to get the things that uh, we have listed as, as being important. Have you ever gone through your stuff and been like, that's something I would take, that picture right there oh. I would take? or? Uh, not not to that extent. You know, not so much things for us. I mean, we probably should. There are probably a few very precious things we should gather. But um, more it was the pictures that we were concerned about. Uh, another thing, would, uh, I'm glad you asked this question because it just occurred to me that I didn't even think about taking my medication. Oh, yeah. And my medication is, is very important. <laughs> about 3.15 on Wednesday. I've been staying in Sonoma for the past two nights. Um, the sky looks just, just really orange and cloudy. You can see the sun through the clouds, but it's just that orange ball. I'm asking my parents to leave too, and I think they're doing it. So I'm packing up the yearbooks, packing up a couple of boxes of my stuff. What's what's going on down there? They're packing up and ready to go. Okay, are you guys taking off? Yeah, we're packing up and ready to go. How's that make you feel? Uh, disjointed, anxious, um, sad. Uh, mainly worried about those people that are really in harm's way uh, significantly. But uh, hopefully we won't get but damage here, but just in case we're leaving. So everything else that's on the walls here, you, you guys are deciding to keep keep here? Yeah, you can't take everything. Well, first of all, I'm very anxious. It's very unsettling and surreal and bizarre. Like, you know, I always thought it would be an earthquake, but it's a fire, you know? And it's sad and it's, but it's the unknown, maybe nothing will happen. And, and all these texts that are coming in from the police department and everything may keep more anxious and yet they're good to get. And I like to be informed, so I'm checking all the websites and that helps, but then at the same time, then they say evacuate, so. We literally heard the sirens and the announcement up on Spain Street right. as we were standing in the parking and we, lot and we have a feeling here. we're going to have phone calls just calling in. 933-9133. Keep it coming, guys. Phone call is on the Information air. is king right now. It's only inside for like an hour and there's ash all over the car. leave home. There we go. After we leave, I talked to my sister Megan, who was upset that we didn't pack the cars full of stuff. 
these other people didn't have a chance. It makes me sad, you know, they didn't have time to grab those simple things, but mom and dad had three days Yeah. to pack as much as they wanted into their cars. Why do you think they didn't pack everything the first time? Neil, my husband, thinks that it was shock. I think they didn't really think they would that their house would burn down. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I thought that's how I feel like Dad thinks about it. But regardless, even knowing that you that it's going to be in the back of your mind, what does it harm to just throw all your clothes in without thinking, "Oh, should I keep this dress or that?" Just grab everything and just toss it in and decide later if that was important or not. And she tells our parents to go back. And the next day, they do. Hey, Dan. Hey, what's up, guys? So we're in the lake, but we're on our way trying to drive back to Sonoma. What's the deal? Why are you going back? I don't know. I was doing fine, you know, being out of the area, but then thinking about going in and getting things, um, precious things, it just makes me anxious. Like the Christmas ornaments, those are your whole life's worth of Christmas ornaments that are precious memories, you know, from people. And even though I was able to get some treasures, I just, you know, it would be nice to have a little more, a little piece of your life, another piece of your life salvaged. Mom and Dad went back and grabbed the Christmas ornaments. They grabbed some clothes, shoes, cookbooks, and some of our great-grandfather's art. Then after asking me one last time if I wanted them to get anything for me, I said to bring back the ashes of my old dog, Katie. Devin's parents' home survived, and they moved all of their stuff back inside. Of course, not everyone was so lucky. I don't know what's going to happen to us. The house Marisal Paniagua and her three children rented, it's gone. Paniagua is from Mexico, but she's lived around Santa Rosa for over 20 years. It's her home. It's everything. The fire got us now, when we don't have any savings. It's really hard. We just have a little gas in the car. That's what we're driving around with. But we don't have anything. We have a car, but it's not even paid off. So those of us who were pushed out of our houses, without money or work, what are we going to do? We don't even have a place to run to. We have to ask God and have faith. As long as we're alive, we're okay. People lose all sorts of things in a fire from Christmas ornaments, to photographs, to the roof over your head. But there are other kinds of losses, too. Other kinds of spaces that are gone. Now a story about the loss of a unique artistic space. A place called Wild Sanctuary. The bones of the place are gone. But can you rebuild an idea? Here's KQED's Craig Miller. It was about a week after the nuns' fire swept across their ridge in Glen Ellen that Kat and Bernie Krauss got their first extended look at the ruins of their property, the place they had always called Wild Sanctuary. Oh, man. 
Jesus Christ, Craig. Imagine what it took to do this. Yeah. Unbelievable. Isn't it? Only the foot-thick earthen walls of their unique home remain. It's hard to imagine that just a year ago, almost exactly, I was here interviewing Bernie about his remarkable 50-year career in music, film, and his greatest passion, nature sound. This is a moment from Yuba Pass on the Sierra, which can't be duplicated as the place was logged shortly afterward. Bernie is a founding father in the emerging science of soundscape ecology. He was among the first to point to the important role that nature sound plays in healthy ecosystems. Now the soundscape at Wild Sanctuary itself was reduced to the crunch of our own footsteps. No birdsong, no insects, only some wind in the blackened oaks and an occasional faint clank of falling debris. In the office and studio, Bernie and I stood over a molten reddish-brown mound that had been his archive of reel-to-reel -reel audio tapes. This is all audio tape. It's fragmented and burnt, and, and, uh, and there are reels and reels of this stuff. I had over 500 reels of tape here. And it's all gone, Craig. Fortunately, his irreplaceable nature sound archive, thousands of hours, was digitized and backed up off-site. But the loss of all the original media, his recording equipment... It's just uh, all ashes. So I guess that's the way we all end up one time, one point or another. <laughs> and, uh, well, that's the way it goes. Next. We will survive this too. Kat Kraus agrees with her husband that Wild Sanctuary will survive. Their home and studio has been an incubator and collaborative space that has yielded a wide range of works from scientific papers to this symphony. But it was always less a place than an idea. I think because there were so many lovely ideas floating around here that had to do with connecting people to the natural world, it became sort of a magical place. I first encountered that magic nearly 20 years ago, documenting Bernie's work recording soundscapes in Sequoia Kings Canyon for the National Park Service. That's also where I met Jack Hines. He's a musician and nature sound recordist who sometimes creates music and nature fusion, as in this strings meet songbird passage. He drew his inspiration from Wild Sanctuary. It's not just the work that they do or that we do, it's, um, it's this bigger piece which is truly the sanctuary of the wild. And by bringing the voice of that forward and into all of our ears and our consciousness, it helps to preserve a certain resource for us as people that is extremely valuable. As the fires advanced, it was Jack Hines who called and warned Cat and Bernie to get out, which they barely did. <clears throat> you would think with the level of emotion that I feel right now that it's as though I lost those two people, but uh, thank God that we didn't. <clears throat> Thank you. 
Jack and Bernie would sometimes record together up on Sugarloaf Ridge, the state park off Highway 12 east of Santa Rosa. Bernie chose a wooded spot near a stream up there to document changes in the soundscape over the course of California's five-year drought. In those recordings, you can hear the life draining out of the place as the landscape becomes desiccated. There may be one more recording in the series as most of Sugarloaf burned in the fires. Kat and Bernie Krauss are staying with family in Salt Lake City for now. They may return and rebuild. Some people will just not be able to afford to do that. The Bay Area's housing crisis had already seen an almost impossible market in places like Santa Rosa. Now with even less housing stock, there are real questions about where people will go. There's a phrase I saw people using after the fires, environmental gentrification. It's a strange phrase but it makes a lot of sense. I'm Sandhya Dirks, and you're listening to Cued Up. If you have a fire story that you want to share about loss, resilience, or what happens next, you can reach me at sdirks, that's S-D-I-R-K-S, at kqed.org. Thanks to Devin Kadayama and Craig Miller for bringing us such powerful stories from the front lines of the fire. Additional reporting by Suki Lewis and Fadida Jabawala Romero. Editing from Victoria Malian. Additional mixing from Seal Muller. Cued up senior editor is Julia McAvoy. Executive producers are Holly Kernan and Ethan Lindsay. Thanks for listening.